today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. The difference between the sand that the one builder built on and the rock that the other builder built on was the Word of God. The one that built his house on the sand, he heard the Word, but he didn't put it into practice. He didn't apply it to his life. He didn't have the foundation. So when the storm hits, and not only does it come crashing down, Jesus is very careful to include this detail that it came down very hard. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Isaiah. All followers of Christ have been given the resources to build their lives on a firm foundation. That foundation is Scripture. All Scripture is directly from God, and we would be foolish not to utilize it. As Pastor J.D. continues his message today, do a little self-reflecting. Have you built your life upon God's foundation? Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Isaiah chapter 55 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Make no mistake about it, God has been striving with them, warning them, pleading with them, come to me, and they won't. And there is a time called too late. There is a time called too late. Verse 8, and here it is, verses 8 and 9. For my thoughts, and this word for is very key, by the way. (laughs) For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Okay. We know this, we quote this, we share this with others (laughs) who are really going through a trial and probably don't warm up to you when you quote this verse, because they know the verse probably better than you do. Well, you know, God's ways are not our ways. (laughs) I know. I know that. And by the way, shocking, I know, but God doesn't think how we think. What do you think? Think about this. <laughs> not trying to be cute again, but if God thought the way I thought, <laughs> we're all in trouble. He would not be God, right? And oh, by the way, aren't you glad that your ways are not God's ways? Aren't you glad that God's ways are higher than your ways? Aren't you glad that God is infinite and you are finite? We don't know the ways of God. And we need to be okay with that and never think that it's God saying that He's not going to reveal to us His ways and whys, if you want to add that in there. It's that He can't. 
Remember when your children were little and they would have all these why questions? Why is the sky blue? Why this? Why that? You're, you're doing your best. Bless your heart as a parent. You're trying to answer, well, that's God's favorite color. Why is blue God's favorite color? Because, uh, and, and so the, here you are, you're, you're trying to answer all of these questions and you cannot impart to them because they don't have the capacity to fathom it at that age. And so too is this true for us. You know, in glory, we're going to be, we're told, for all of eternity, learning of Him. For all eternity. And I know we, we say this jokingly, and it's okay, I do it as well. You know, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God, you know, why this, and why did you do it this way? And I'm going to, I have a few questions. Well, that's fine. Write them down. But when you get there, <laughs> first of all, at the rapture and the seven years and the wedding feast, I mean, we're just going to be like, well, I thought you had some questions. Oh, yeah, it's not important now. <laughs> Never mind. Never mind. Oh, oh, now I see. It is impossible for an infinite God to pour into a finite man His ways. They're just too high for our understanding. We do not have the ability to fathom or comprehend the ways of God. And Take comfort in knowing that God's way is always the best way. And one of the things that has helped me over the years in my walk with the Lord is knowing that when it comes to God's ways, that it would always be the way I would have chosen if I knew what God knew. Let me say the same thing in a different way. Okay, so that's God's way of doing it, and I don't understand God's ways. Well, if I knew what God knew, I'd say, hey, let's do it that way. God's way is always the best way. This comports with another. I mean, this is a truth that has really helped me tremendously over the years, specifically as it relates to my prayer life. It's knowing that God is going to answer my prayers the same exact way that I would answer my own prayers if I knew what He knew. So when we pray and we don't get our way, it's like God saying, if you only knew... <laughs> what I want to do. In fact, if you knew, you wouldn't even pray that way to begin with. Because if you knew the way I was going to do it, you would be like, okay, so it's like this. You have your way, it's all, you know, printed out, 12 font, aerial narrow, my way. And here's God's. And you see God's way, and then you're looking at your way, you're like, 
you take it and put it in the shredder as fast as you can. Oh my goodness, are you kidding me? This is, a, oh, you're way, way more better. Way more better. I know I was trying to tell you that. Yeah, but God, I, <laughs> my ways are not your ways. And thank God they're not. Because my ways are higher. My ways are better. I want to talk just a little bit more before we end the Bible study. For as the rain comes down, verse 10, and the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall, verse 11, my word be that goes forth from my mouth, it shall not return to me void. See, I told you, there's a lot in this chapter, a lot of well-known verses. How many times do we quote this one? God's word doesn't return void. Sometimes we say it very flippantly. He says, it shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. You see the imagery here? Just like the rain when it comes down, it, it has a purpose. It prospers in watering the earth and bringing forth the bud and the seed to the sower and the bread to the eater. It's like that with my word. It will never return void. Not only does it not return unto me void, but in fact it will accomplish what it set out to accomplish like that rain and snow that comes down from heaven. And not only will it accomplish what I sent it to accomplish, what I please, but it shall prosper. I want you to think this through with me. That's the power of God's Word. That's the power of God's Word. So you're sharing with somebody the gospel. You're witnessing to them. And you quote scripture, and you think they're just not getting. In fact, you end up in this, you know, back and forth, and it's kind of like, wow, that was that was horrible. I blew it again, and you're just kind of down on yourself. The enemy's right there to help you out, beat you up, and yeah, just, I'm not an evangelist, that's for sure. But you never know. Because you, wait, you, you quoted that verse? Whoa! <laughs> Perfect. That's all you got to do. You know what's been really interesting? I've seen this with my sons in particular. My daughter, who's 14, I see it as well, but more so with my oldest son. Uh, they will quote passages from the Bible or refer to them and they remember them from when we had devotions when they were like six and seven years old. I'm like, oh, that's this right here. My word does not return unto me void. They remembered it. It accomplished what it was set out to accomplish. And not only did it not return void and accomplish what it was set out to accomplish, it actually began to prosper and grow and become fruitful. That's the Word of God. It bears fruit. 
bread to the eater, seed to the sower. Never, never, never underestimate the power of God's Word. And I know I digress on this, and I don't mean to, uh, I don't want to come off wrong when I say this, but I'm just as prone to it as a pastor as any pastor. But you know it's the beginning of the end. You can start your your stopwatch. It's the beginning of the end when a pastor loses confidence in the Word of God and starts going off on all of these other things. And, oh, they might talk about the Bible, but they're not teaching the Bible. They might refer to the Bible, but they're not teaching the Bible. And it's so sad, it's heartbreaking, because those people now are ill-equipped when, not if, those trials in life hit. They are ill-equipped, ill-prepared. I think about that exchange between Jesus and Peter when he's being restored after denying the Lord three times. The Lord asks him three times, do you love me? And then at the end of this exchange, he says, feed my sheep. The Apostle Paul, by the Holy Spirit, would say to Timothy, preach the word. Why? Because it won't return void. It will prosper and be fruitful and accomplish what it needs to accomplish. Okay, Christmas every year is... It's never been the same after Noel died. She was born on the, the 28th, which is why we named her Noel. So I'm, I'm not, not seeking anything other than to try to illustrate a point here. When she died, my wife and I were told that something like 98% of couples who experience the death of a child end up in a divorce. Christian or not. I've known over the years, Christian couples, death of a child, they end up in a divorce. The grief is so intense, and the blame, and the pain, and all of the above. And we were told that. Not only did it not tear us apart, oh, we grieved, still do. You never get over the death of a child but it actually made us stronger and brought us closer together. Why? Because we were grounded in the Word of God. We knew the Word of God and the God of the Word, and it had prospered in our lives. It had bore fruit in our lives. Because when you get into the Word, the Word of God gets into you, and we were prepared and grounded. So when, not if, that trial hits, and that trial hits, it doesn't derail you or destroy you. And I think about all these people sitting under what should be the teaching of God's Word that doesn't return void in there. They're not getting the Word. And then life hits. Is it any wonder that they're not walking with the Lord? They're not still in church. They're not still married. I've heard horror stories about 
couples, people you would never think. I mean, you would, outwardly they looked like they were so solid and so strong and so on fire for the Lord. And then something happens. Next thing you know, you hear they're divorced. They want nothing to do with the Lord. What happened? What happened? I would argue, maybe that's a strong way to say it. Again, please hear my heart on this. I would argue that they didn't have that solid foundation of the Word of God. They were ill-prepared, ill-equipped. And I think about what Jesus, in that parable, he taught about the two builders. The difference between the house that the builder built that came crashing down is because of the foundation upon which it was built. It was built on the sand. And the difference between the sand that the one builder built on and the rock that the other builder built on was the Word of God. The one that built his house on the sand, he heard the Word, but he didn't put it into practice. He didn't apply it to his life. He didn't have the foundation. So when the storm hits, and not only does it come crashing down. Jesus is very careful to include this detail that it came down very hard when it crashed down. Great was that fall. Verse 12. I want to end on a good note, so we're, and we will. (laughs) So, for you shall go out with joy. How's that? Is that better? And be led out with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth into singing before you. And here's another one. And all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. They can't not. I know that's not a proper sentence structure. The trees of the... Imagine the branches. Okay, I got to share this. I have to share this. So today I hit this weird wall. You ever have that? Usually it's in the afternoon. Usually it's because of something you ate for lunch. (laughs) And I'm just sitting there and I'm just, I hit this wall and I'm, man, Lord, I'm I'm praying, God, I got a, I got a, you know, I got a Bible study I got to teach tonight. And the Lord, and I don't do this very often. I know now I need to do this more often. I remembered this song, and I, I went online, and I found it, and I started listening to it and singing with it. And I mean, full blast, very loud. I, I've damaged my hearing over the What? Anyway, so, but I turned it up full blast. I put the headphones on. And it changed the entire complexion. There's a neurological aspect to this, because all of those brain chemicals were just firing on all cylinders. You know what the song was? Oh, happy day. And the trees in my front yard, the plumeria tree, clapping its hands. (laughs) Oh, happy day. When Jesus was, and I want to, I want to get a little bit uh, bluesy here. It washed my sins away. 
You okay? I'm almost done. But I've been singing it all day. Oh, happy day. Go out with joy and singing. <laughs> Do you know that God created us to worship? He invented music, by the way. Uh, by the way, uh, <laughs> a lot of by the ways. Last by the way. They did a study, this is a secular study, many, many years ago, about the effect of music and singing on the brain. And they deprived the subjects in this research experiment of music for 30 days. And they made sure they were under constant observation. They couldn't hum or whistle or sing or nothing. No music, no nothing, 30 days. They almost went insane. They almost <laughs> lost their minds. If you really think about it, you deprive the brain of music and singing. And when it comes to praising God, break forth into singing. It'll change all of the brain chemistry, the body chemistry, your whole countenance will change. I went from being in this weird funk to, <laughs> in fact, my daughter's like, okay, I've listened to this song now 25 times. Can we listen to Little Drummer Boy or something? And I mean, the whole afternoon, oh, happy. Ah, now I'm hoping it's going to be stuck in your mind tonight. And why am I so happy? And why am I breaking forth into singing? And why am I going out with joy? Because Jesus washed my sins away. <laughs> oh, happy day. Verse 13, instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress tree, and instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree, and it shall be to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. I cannot think of a better way to end the Bible study and the chapter with it than this. So if you're down in the dumps, I really encourage you, even though you don't feel like it, just put on a a worship song and just start singing. And if you don't clap your hands, I promise you your trees will, because they won't be able to not do that. Yeah, clap your hands. Who cares if people think you're crazy? They already think you're crazy, so what have you got to lose? Just praise the Lord and sing and rejoice and break forth into singing, oh happy day. In Jesus' name. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much. I just pray that as I'm sure the Israelites were so encouraged at a time when they were so beaten down and weary, being in captivity, I'm sure they were so encouraged by these two chapters that we just read and studied. And Lord, so too I pray that we would as well be encouraged. For anyone, especially if they're discouraged, Lord, just encourage them. Encourage their heart. Give them a new song on their lips. And if it's so happy day, then so be it. Let them sing, break forth into singing. Oh Lord, thank you. In Jesus' name. 
Amen. We're so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. If you think that the gospel is only in our first four books of the New Testament, you'll quickly learn through this book of Isaiah that the gospel is mentioned throughout. It must have been interesting for Isaiah to write the things he did in the course of his life. He was a prophet used by God who lived while several kings of Judah reigned. From their outright wicked behavior to a king like Hezekiah, Isaiah experienced the people living in rebellion and then turning toward God, realizing their need for him. God used Isaiah in a mighty way to influence these kings and to speak to them about what was yet to come. God can use you in the place you're at today as well. It may not seem as influential or powerful of a position, but God has you right where he wants you, to use you in the place you are. Are you involved in a local church? If not, we invite you to join us at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. We meet on Sundays at 8.30 or 10.45 a.m. and Thursdays at 7 p.m. for Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can get directions at our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. While you're there, be sure to check out Pastor J.D.'s additional teachings as well as his Mideast Prophecy Updates, an accurate look at what the Bible has to say about this time in our world. That's all we have for today, but thanks for tuning in to spend this time with us. We hope you'll join Pastor J.D. for our next edition as we learn more valuable things from this interesting book of Isaiah right here on In Spirit and Truth. 